Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nostalgic Mystery Radio. I'm your host, Stevie Kay, and it's my honor to bring you the radio shows of yesteryear. For this episode, I bring you Agatha Christie's Miss Marple, episode titled Nemesis, where Miss Marple reads a letter addressed to her from an acquaintance she met while on vacation, who was also recently deceased, leaving instruction to investigate a crime. Only problem is he failed to explain who was involved or where and when the crime had been committed. This will be a five-part series. So sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy this Nostalgic Mystery Radio. Thank you for listening. We present June Whitfield as Miss Marple in Agatha Christie's Nemesis. I always keep the times to read after luncheon. I do have another newspaper. I call it the Daily All Sorts because that is what it is, and I read that in the morning. But the times is a special moment in my day. I always begin with the births, marriages and deaths, though sadly nowadays one is only interested in the deaths. Quantrill. Dear me, that must be Elizabeth Quantrill. I thought she died years ago. Eighty-five. And she was such a delicate little creature, nobody expected her to make old bones. Raphael. That name's familiar. No flowers. Raphael. Jason Raphael. Oh, of course. Though I never knew his name was Jason. Mr. Raphael and the Blue Caribbean Sea. He'd known it wouldn't be very long before he died. Ave Caesar. Nos morituri te salutamus. I'm afraid I don't know much Latin. But you understood that. It's what the gladiators used to say when they stood before the emperor in the arena. We who are about to die salute you. Exactly. Poor Mr. Raphael. I hope he didn't suffer. A letter for you, Miss Marple. Come by second post. It's got a London postmark. Thank you, Cherry. It was from a firm of solicitors, Messrs. Broadrib and Schuster, asking me in suitably courteous and legal phraseology to call upon them the following week to discuss a proposition that might be to my advantage. They were solicitors to the late Mr. Raphael, with whom they understood I had been acquainted. Nothing the matter is there, Miss Marple. You look rather startled. No, nothing's the matter. I've had a rather unusual letter from a firm of solicitors. Nobody's suing you for anything, are they? Oh, no, I don't think so. Nothing of that kind. Perhaps you've been left a fortune. That, I think, is very unlikely. Well, you never know. You will doubtless be wondering what this is all about, Miss Marple. Uh, you've heard, no doubt, of Mr Raphael's death. I saw it in the paper. He was, I understand, a friend of yours. I suppose you might say that. 
I met him just over a year ago in the West Indies. Ah, yes, yes, I remember. He went out there for his health, I believe, but he was already gravely ill, badly crippled, as you know. Yes, he was. Well, uh, let us proceed to the purpose of this appointment. As you no doubt realise, Mr Raphael died a very rich man. The provisions of his will are on the whole fairly simple, but where you were concerned, the circumstances are somewhat, well, unusual. Oh? I'm authorised to tell you that a sum of money has been laid aside to become yours absolutely at the end of one year, but conditional on your accepting a certain proposition with which I am to make you acquainted. It is contained in this letter. Oh, thank you, Mr Broadrib. <laughs> If you would be so kind as to pass me over that paper knife. Of course. There's no hurry. Please, take your time. This letter will be delivered to you after my death by the good offices of my solicitor, James Broadrib. Like the majority of the human race, he's susceptible to the sin of curiosity. I've taken pains not to satisfy it. In some respects, this matter will remain between you and myself. Our code word, my dear lady, is nemesis. I don't think you will have forgotten in what place and in what circumstances you first spoke that word to me. The Greeks had a word for it. Nemesis, if I'm not mistaken. Nemesis? The goddess of retribution? So that's who you are, is it? I hope to be, with your help. In the course of my business activities over what is now quite a long life, I've learned one thing about a man whom I wish to employ. He has to have a flair. A flair for the particular job I want him to do. You, my dear, if I may call you that, have a natural flair for justice. And that has led to your having a natural flair for crime. I want you to investigate a certain crime, though... Mystery might perhaps be a more appropriate word. I've ordered a certain sum to be placed with my solicitors so that if you accept this request, and as a result of your investigation, this crime is properly elucidated, the money will become yours absolutely. I've set a year for you to engage in this mission. You're not young, but you are, if I may say so, tough. I think I can trust the reasonable fate to keep you alive for a year at least. I offer this to you as an alternative to what may be your life at present. I envisage you knitting more jackets and a good many other things of which I do not know the name. If you prefer to continue knitting, that is your decision. If you prefer to serve the cause of justice, I hope that you may at least find it interesting. Let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an everlasting stream. The Book of Amos. Well, Miss Marple? This is hardly very definite. Is there any further information? Uh, not as far as I'm concerned. I was instructed to hand you this and tell you the amount of the legacy. Uh, the sum in question is £20,000, free of legacy duty. That is a very large sum of money. Not quite as large as it used to be, but not to be despised by any means. No, indeed. Enough to enable me to benefit certain charities in which I have an interest and indulge myself in a few little luxuries. A Mediterranean cruise, perhaps? My tastes are a little more modest. I should enjoy a partridge, a 
whole partridge to myself, and perhaps I... Oh, but I mustn't indulge in idle chat. I will take this letter home and reflect on it. But I must say I am entirely in the dark as to what he expects of me. Uh, forgive me if this is idle curiosity, Miss Marple, but have you had any experience in the detection of crime? Not in any professional sense. But during our stay in the West Indies, Mr. Raphael and I were caught up in the investigation of a rather unlikely murder. Three murders, in fact. And you and Mr. Raphael solved them? We certainly prevented another murder being committed, and the killer was brought to justice. Unfortunately, Mr. Raphael's secretary, Esther Walters, was most unhappily involved in the whole wretched business, most distressing for her. Tell me, would it be infringing etiquette if I asked whether Mr. Raphael left her £50,000? Well, since his bequests will shortly appear in the papers, I can answer in the affirmative. Uh, Mrs. Walter's name is now Mrs. Anderson, by the way. She has remarried. Oh, I'm so glad. I wonder if you would be kind enough to give me her address. I would like to write to her. Of course. I'm sure she'd be delighted to hear from you. It is rather like a crossword puzzle without any clues. Quite intriguing, in a way. And I suppose Mr. Raphael meant it to be intriguing. He'd enjoy the thought of me sitting here trying to work out what he was up to. If you knew what you looked like that night with that fluffy pink wool scarf all around your head, standing there and saying you were nemesis, I'll never forget it. I believe in eternal life. I don't know exactly where you are, Mr. Raphael, but I have no doubt that you are somewhere. I will do my best to fulfil your wishes. Yes, Miss Marple. Was there something you wanted? Yes, there is, Cherry. But first, I want you to tell me something. Do you know a woman who is living in a new house somewhere here? I think she's called Mrs Hastings. And someone called Miss Bartlett, I think it is, who lives with her. Do you mean the people who moved in a few days ago to that house that's just been done up and repaired? Probably. Yeah. They stopped and talked to me for a moment while I was working in the garden. Oh, I don't think there's anything very interesting about them. Well, no, it's not important. But I want you to order Inch for me to come here at about half past eleven. It isn't Inch anymore, Miss Marple. Hasn't been for years. It's Arthur's car hire now. Are you going to London? No, I'm not. Will you tell Edward that I wish to go to Alton? Edward retired years ago, Miss Marple. It's George. He will have to get used to my calling him Edward. And there's something else I want you to do for me. Telephone this number and ask if Mrs Anderson is at home. You are to be a certain Mr Broadrib's secretary, oh. and you are to ask if Mrs Anderson will be at home later today to receive a call from Mr Broadrib. Oh, the things you come up with! Why do you want me to do that? I simply want to know where she's likely to be and at what time of day. I want to try and arrange to meet her by accident. But it all sounds very odd to me. I suppose you know what you're doing. And that was how I found out that Mrs Anderson, or Esther Walters as I remembered her, would be out shopping at the supermarket. And it's not difficult for an elderly person not to look where she is going and bump into somebody. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Oh. My fault entirely, I'm afraid. Daydreaming as usual. But surely, it's Mrs. Walters, isn't it? Oh, you won't remember me, of course. Jane Marple? 
We met at the hotel in St. Honoré. Oh, it must be a year and a half ago. Miss Marple, of course I remember you. Fancy seeing you here. It's so nice to meet you again. I'm lunching with some friends near Hazelmere, but I have to pass through here on my way back. I would so love to have a nice chat with you. Will you be at home this afternoon? Yes, of course. Any time after three o'clock. If you're sure it's no trouble. Oh, no. No, it's no trouble. I'll give you my address. How wonderfully well you're looking. I had no idea that you lived in this part of the world. I've only been here for a short time, since my marriage, in fact. Oh, I didn't know about that. I suppose I must have missed it. I always go through the marriages. It's nearly five months. My name's Anderson now. Mrs. Anderson. I must try and remember that. And your husband? He's an engineer. He's a little younger than I am. Oh, so much better, my dear. In these days, men age quicker than women. I think they worry and work too hard. I'm sure we are a much tougher sex. Perhaps we are. I expect you saw the notice of Mr. Raphael's death. Yes, indeed I did. I was so sorry. Very distressed, really. Although, well, I suppose one knew. He almost admitted it himself, didn't he? I think he was very brave about it all. Yes, he was a very brave man. And a very kind one. I would have liked to have seen Mr. Raphael again. It seems odd after we'd all been mixed together so. I was thinking, after I'd seen the notice of his death, how little I really knew about him. Where he was born, whether he had any children or nephews or any family. He wasn't married, was he? He never mentioned a wife. He lost his wife many years ago. I believe she was much younger than he was. And were there children? Oh, yes. Two daughters and a son. One daughter's married and lives in America, and the other daughter died young, I believe. Mr. Raphael never spoke about his son. I rather think that there had been trouble there, scandal or something of that kind. I believe he died some years ago. Anyway, his name was never mentioned. Oh, dear. How very sad. I think it happened quite a long time ago. I believe he took off for somewhere or other abroad and never came back. Died out there, wherever it was. He never said anything about the boy at all? If you remember, he was a man who never said much about his personal feelings or his own life. No, no, of course not. But I thought perhaps you having been, well, his secretary for so many years that he might have confided any troubles in you. He was not a man for confiding troubles. He was wedded to his business, one might say. That was the only thing that really interested him. Do you think... Well, I've often wondered whether Mr. Raphael had any particular interest in criminology. I you mean, mean because of what happened on St. Honoré? Well, no. Not because of that, but afterwards, perhaps. He wondered about the psychology of these things, or he got interested in cases where justice had not been administered Why properly. should he take the least interest in anything of that kind? And don't let's go into all that horrible business. I am sorry. I shouldn't have talked about distressing matters that have fortunately passed. Oh, and I must be getting on my way. But you're sure you won't stay for a cup of tea? Oh, no, thank you, my dear. I really must be going. I'm very pleased to have seen you again, and I've enjoyed our little chat. I'm so pleased to see you so contented and well. I hope you have a very happy life. 
I don't suppose you will be taking up any position again, will you? I don't believe so, Miss Marple. I think I shall rather enjoy leading a life of leisure and making the most of the legacy Mr. Raphael left me. It's very kind of him, and I think he'd want me to appreciate it to the full, even if I spent some of it on expensive clothes and a new hairdo. I was fond of him, you know. I think it was because he was a sort of challenge to me. He was difficult to get on with, and therefore I enjoyed managing it. And managing him? Well, perhaps not quite managing him, but possibly a little more than he thought I was. I was wrong. I thought this business of Mr. Raphael's might have been something to do with her, but obviously I was wrong. I can't help feeling that he expected me to be much cleverer than I am being. I think he reckoned that I would put things together. But what things? Oh, what a tiresome man you are, Mr. Raphael. But I've done all I can, and now I will have to leave it to you. Another letter from London, Miss Marple. I think it's those lawyer people again. Thank you, Terry. Hope it's good news. I hope it contains something positive at long last. Ah, it's from Mr. Raphael. Dear Miss Marple, by the time you read this, I shall be dead and buried. Not cremated, if my wishes are carried out. It's always seemed to me unlikely that one would manage to rise up from one's handsome bronze vase full of ashes and haunt anyone. Whereas rising from the grave to do a little haunting is quite possible. Shall I want to do that? Who knows? I might even want to communicate with you. Oh, I only wish you would. This should reach you, if my solicitors have done what I've told them to do, on the 11th of the month. In two days' time, you'll receive a communication from a travel bureau in London. I hope that what it proposes will not be distasteful to you. I shan't say more. I want you to have an open mind. Take care of yourself, the best of luck, and may your guardian angel be at your side and looking after you. You may need one. Your affectionate friend, J.B. Raphael. I may be going away, Cherry, on a tour. A tour? You mean a package holiday abroad? Not abroad. In England, visiting historic buildings and gardens. The letter came this morning. Famous houses and gardens of Great Britain. Starting from London on Thursday next. Thursday? For how long? Uh, Eighteen days, I think it is. Do you think it'll be all right at your age? These things can be very tiring, you know. You have to walk miles sometimes. My health is really very good, Cherry. And I've always heard that on these tours, they're careful to provide restful intervals for such people who are not particularly strong. Well, be careful of yourself, that's all. We don't want you falling down with a heart attack in the middle of one of those stately homes. You're a bit old, you know, for this sort of thing. I can take care of myself. And where are you going to stay? Are the hotels all right? It says I am to have the best accommodation and all the luxury available that they can provide. Must be costing a pretty penny. And that is not one of my worries. The holiday is a present. A present from an old friend. Well, just you be careful, that's all. 
And so it was that I found myself on board a comfortable and luxurious coach, taking a northwesterly route out of London. There was a handsome brochure giving details of our daily itinerary and of the less demanding alternatives arranged for the elderly or those suffering from arthritis or rheumatism. But what I was really interested in was the list of passengers. Since Mr. Raphael had gone to great pains to send me on this particular tour, was one of them, at least potentially, a criminal or a murderer? You're quite sure you brought the camera, Joanna? Yes, Aunt Geraldine, I'm quite sure. And we have sufficient film. Oh, yes, we're well provided for. That must be Mrs. Risley Porter, and the girl by her side must be Joanna Crawford, obviously well accustomed to coping with her. I don't want to find myself confronted with something I want to remember for the rest of my life and discover there's no film in the camera. There's no danger of that, Aunt Geraldine. I don't see Mrs. Risley Porter having anything to do with crime, much too social and self-centred. There's no difficulty in deciding which is Colonel and Mrs. Walker, so that means the American couple over there are Mr. and Mrs. Butler. Mr. Caspar is no doubt the excitable foreign gentleman who speaks such extraordinary English. And the man he's gibbering away at with the bushy eyebrows is probably Professor Wanstead. And that earnest-looking young man must be Richard Jameson. That steeple is absolutely characteristic. If I had no idea where we were, that brooch steeple and those dormer windows would provide me with an exact location. Is Emlyn Price perhaps that good-looking young man who keeps stealing a glance at Joanna Crawford? And Elizabeth Temple? Hindley Hall? No, it's of no real consequence. I can't understand why they include it in the itinerary. She must be that handsome woman with the incisive voice. Which means that Miss Cook and Miss Barrow must be the two middle-aged ladies travelling together. I'm sure I've seen them before. Where could it have been? Certainly not at St. Honoré. Well, I have to admit that none of them looks to me to be a likely murderer. Except Mr. Caspar, perhaps. And that's probably my own stupid prejudice against a foreigner. But could one of them be a potential victim? Oh, surely you can't have forgotten the arnica? I remember telling you quite specifically. I could imagine anyone doing away with Mrs. Risley Porter out of sheer exasperation. But this is getting me nowhere. All I know is there must be some connection between this tour and the problem Mr. Raphael wishes me to solve. It may be a person, but it might equally well be a famous house or a particular garden. I must simply be patient and wait for my next direction from a dead man. The dining room was added to the house in 1775, and as you can observe, its style is completely different from anything else we've seen in the rest of the house. It's a masterpiece of the Rococo style. The first house on our tour was a very grand mansion indeed. Mr. Jameson, who it transpired was an architect and rather too fond of the sound of his own voice, elected to give us a very detailed account of all the rooms. 
Notice the exquisite carvings on the fireplace. Uh, uh, nymphs taking shelter from a storm beneath a tree. The charming way in which their drapery is blown upwards by the wind. Uh, and, and observe how that particularly ugly-looking satyr is staring at But up. there were so many rooms and so many cramped staircases and so much standing about listening to Mr. Jameson that I soon sought refuge in the gardens and found a very comfortable seat where I was joined after a few minutes by Miss Temple. Going over houses is always tiring, especially if you have to listen to an exhausting lecture in every room. <laughs> of course, all that we were told was very interesting. Oh, do you think so? Don't you? No. Such a pretty garden. So unusually laid out. I've never seen anything quite like it. It was designed by a man named Holborn, a quite remarkable character. He died young. A great genius. It is so sad when anyone dies young. I wonder. But they miss so much. Or escape so much. Being old as I am now, I suppose I cannot help feeling that every death means missing things. And I have spent most of my life as a teacher and a headmistress among the young. And I look at life as a period of time complete in itself. I see what you mean. A life of whatever length is a complete experience. But don't you ever feel that a life could be incomplete because it has been cut unduly short? Yes, that is so. How beautiful peonies are, so proud and yet so beautifully fragile. Did you come on this trip to see the houses or the gardens? I suppose really to see the houses. I shall enjoy the gardens most, but the houses will be a new experience for me. A kind friend gave me this trip as a gift. I'm very grateful. I've not seen many big and famous houses in my life. A generous thought. Do you often go on sightseeing tours of this kind? No. And this is not exactly a sightseeing tour for me. Then why? Why don't you make a guess? It would interest me. I know that you're quite a famous person and that your school has a high reputation. But I'm making my guess from what you look like. I should write you down as a pilgrim. You have the look of one who is undertaking a pilgrimage. Yes. That describes it very well. The friend who sent me on this tour and paid all my expenses is now dead. He was a Mr. Raphael, a very rich man. Did you by any chance know him? Jason Raphael? I, I know the name, of course. I, I never knew him personally or met him. Oh. He gave a large endowment once to an educational project in which I was concerned. I saw the notice of his death in the papers. So, he was a, an old friend of yours? Oh, no. I met him a year or so ago in the West Indies. I never knew much about him, his life or his family or any personal friends that he had. He was a man who was very reserved about himself. Did you know his family? I knew a girl once, uh, a girl who had been a pupil of mine at Fallowfield, my school. She was no actual relation to Mr. Raphael, but she was at one time engaged to marry his son. But she didn't marry him? No. Why not? One might hope to say because she had too much sense. 
he was not the type of young man one would want anyone one was fond of to marry. She was a very lovely girl and a very sweet girl. I don't know why she didn't marry him. Nobody ever told me. Anyway, she died. Why did she die? Love. Love? Love. In part one of Agatha Christie's Nemesis, Miss Marple was played by June Whitfield, Mr. Raphael, George A. Cooper, Miss Temple, Jill Balkan, Cherry, Jane Whittenshaw, Mr. Broadrib, Geoffrey Whitehead, Esther Anderson, Yvonne Edgel, Mrs. Risley Porter, Margot Boyd, Joanna Crawford, Molly Gaysford, Richard Jameson, Charles Simpson. Other parts were played by members of the cast. Nemesis is dramatized for radio by Michael Bakewell and directed by Enid Williams. Mystery Radio presentation. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to like and rate this podcast on your favorite app. Also, there's a Nostalgic Mystery Radio YouTube page for your perusal to subscribe to. You can contact me by emailing me at nostalgicmysteryradio at gmail.com. I hope you have a blessed day or evening. And again, thank you for listening. <laughs>